it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stromash, the Scottish NFL podcast. We're getting ready for the 2023 NFL season and the previews begin right now. Joining me to do that, I have Gordon McGuinness, Ian Stephen. Good evening, gentlemen. All right. Sorry, one of my voices was speaking to me. <laughs> Which one? What a start. The, set, to the... the setting fire to things. One. <laughs> <laughs> we're setting on fire to the 2023 season right now. As we're going to preview the East Divisions. Uh, we asked our Patreon Patreons uh, which one they wanted us to start with. We gave them all four points of the compass. Uh, they selected the East, so we're starting in the East this time. I think typically we start in the North, but nah, we're not doing that. rest of the team is unavailable this evening. Uh, it would be nice to have JB Bothwick for this one. He, of course, is busy getting ready to cover, cover the Rugby World Cup. Uh, lots going on for him. Charles Char- Patterson Charles remains watching large. Watch team. Large, oh, yeah, of course, his big team's playing in the European action tonight, isn't it? Um Paul Mitchell is whereabouts unknown. He's currently writing a strongly worded letter of complaint to some sort of public body. <laughs> I think he's still reeling at the fact that he's been called out for being an influencer, um, which I thought as well on the back of him doing thought of the day on the back of this podcast, people are now tweeting him to to call him an influencer, which I know will absolutely sit in the uncomfortable part of uh, his inbox. Um, What kind of of products would Paul endorse, though, if he was an influencer? uh, Here's a question. My my pillow? I think it would be something like Ajax powder. (laughs) Um. I'm not going to get involved in this conversation because uh, I'm due him lunch at some point and uh, he'll pick a steakhouse if this continues. Right. So, yeah, we're going to start with our previews. The The season is getting really close, which is great. We've obviously had our first Hall of Fame game that nobody cares about. We get into NFL preseason week one. We'll maybe see some starters. We'll see some people play. We'll see some of the new setups. Some of the new managers get the first time to go out with their teams. All of that to look forward to. The managers, Alex Alex Ferguson, so look at pitch. Head coaches, I guess we can call them head coaches. Jo- John Harbaugh this podcast. John Harbaugh tapping his watch on the sideline, trying to get <laughs> Carl Cheffers to to add an extra five minutes on at the end of the game. If there was a head coach had the influence of Fergie, which one would get? Oh, I th- I know the answer to it's this Belichick. already. It's yeah. Belichick. As yeah. soon as I'm saying it, it's Belichick time. Is right? it, or is it, is it, maybe it's Parcells. Parcells must have been the scariest guy in the sideline. If you were a oh, yeah. official, you would have been terrified to go near him. Or do you think? Do you think Belichick still has the same level of clout these days? Let's start yes. with the AFC East, the Patriots. Do you think it has some of the shine rubbed off? No. You don't think think there's some question marks about him with Brady being away with the fact that under Mac Jones, I mean, they're all right, but they're they're not going to, are they going to be a contender again this season in this conversation? Partly down to how strong that division suddenly become, but they're not even in it, right? I think in the short term, people are going to go, ah, the game's passed them by a bit. Realistically, I think the reason why they're not going to be a playoff team is probably because of that division rather than anything else. But 20 years from now, like we're still going to talk about how good a head coach he was. And it's not as well like the Brady stuff. And this is the same with um, Holmes in Kansas City as well. 
I hate that it becomes a question of like who's more important there, the quarterback or the head coach, because they won Super Bowls not scoring that many points at, at times in New England because Bill Belichick knew how to put together a really, not even great a lot of the time, but a, like above average defense consistently. And they knew, knew how to find just pass catchers that were like the complimentary guys rather than the number one guys. There's all the little things I think they've done really well. You also, you look at the coaches that have left New England and gone elsewhere and they've been a bit shite. So like he was getting the most out of his coaches as well. I, a Brady, obviously like without Brady, maybe he only wins one, maybe he wins two Super Bowls. It's really hard to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. So having that elite quarterback makes a difference, but I, he's had a huge impact there. It, I mean, it definitely has, right? And what's really interesting is he is currently, I think, the seventh oldest head coach in the NFL ever. And I don't think we're even, there's no discussions about him retiring. Like, it's never even come up. I, I think should we, should we guess who the other six are that are the oldest? Is that a question uh, we should give to the listeners? Without Googling, can you name the six no, coaches we should, that are older than Belichick? I think we should try and do it now. So not not current, but like have been older head coaches. Uh, Joe Gibbs, Dick Vermeil. Hang on. <laughs> Neither of them are coming up in this list, so uh, let me validate my is, is list. Pete Car- is Pete Carroll not the oldest at the moment? Yeah, yes. I, th- I think yes. you're right. Yeah. So Pete yes. Carroll's one of the names on there. Look, looks way younger than he is as well. Pete Carroll. That that time spent in Southern California stealing Heisman trophies has uh, has kept his youth. I'm now going to have to check this. Um, Former Dolphins head coach oh, Don Shula. Shula. Surely. Let us come back to this because my I'm now questioning my source because none of these names are appearing on it. So uh, let me have a look. Sportingnews.com feels fairly legit. I mean, yeah, obviously, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's about a year older than Belichick is. The oldest in history. So go through those. Now, this is another thing. This is another list that has got the exact same names in it. And none of the people that you mentioned there are on the list. So I'm looking at... uh... The 10 oldest coaches in NFL history... I'm on oldest.org slash sports slash coaches in NFL, and it is... But you're cheating then. Well, of course, because we're trying to get the answers now. Yeah, but... Like, well, I, I, those... hadn't, I hadn't finished. I was still guessing. I was okay, having well, fun. Well, you can, <laughs> you can still guess. Yeah, well, but none so... of those names you've said are on, on the list at all. George, That's what Dick, made me question it. George Vermeule is on my list. On George there. Hallis. I want to keep, I keep wanting to say Tom Clancy, but it's not Tom Clancy. The former uh, Cowboys head coach that was there for years, uh, Tom. Was it Tom? I'm going to see now. now. You're you're right. By the way, George Hallis is on the list. George Hallis is yeah. Paul, Paul Brown. Paul Brown is not. Um, Weeb Eubank. Well, I tell you what, Ian. Let's start with the oldest. Who's the oldest the, the NFL oldest, held coach the, ever? The oldest is stunning. If this list is correct. Is it Pete Carroll? Nope. No. Marv Levy? Nope. Apparently was active for 39 years. And was only a head coach once. Oh, um, uh, Phillips? Wade Phillips? Nope. 
I wonder if there's anyone sitting listening to this podcast just shout the name, have known it from the off, and is this is just like minutes upon minutes of dead content for them, which is getting more and more irate. <laughs> it's really good content when you've got a quiz and no one, no one knows what it is. I'm just really annoyed. I can't remember the uh, Cowboys head coach. Uh Tom Landry was he the Tom Landry? Yeah, not yeah. Tom Clancy. Tom Landry. I don't think he's don't think he's on this. Oh. Um, you're saying as well the person at the top was only head coach once. That's not true. The person was head coach of the Browns from 2005 to 2008. Oh, yeah. Head coach wow. of the Chiefs in 2012, and then was an he... interim head coach. Wait, was he head coach with the Chiefs? That's what it says. That's what Wikipedia says. All right. Let, let's uh, we've now gone off the rails, but I think we now need to do the top ten so that the listeners can get it. So, the list I, I'll tell you what I'm looking at, Cameron. You can tell me if uh, uh, it's the same as you. So, Bruce Arians, Dick Vermeil, uh, Tom Coughlin, who we should have got, Bill Belichick, Gunther Cunningham. Oh wow! But Grant, see one. Uh, Pete Carroll's no. five. Al Saunders fourth. Yeah, I think he only had one stint as a head coach. Uh, Marv Levy, number three, another one we should have got. I said Marv Levy. Oh, okay. George Hallis, too, who you did get. Number one, Romeo Crennel. I was about to say that as well. I, I had 73 no... years old and a head coach at the, uh, the Texans. The Texans. Interim head coach, but still irrelevant head coach. So there you go. Right, we've gone off on a tangent. See what Bill Belichick has done to this podcast. Um, let's bring it back then. So, Patriots. Long, right, long long story short, they've got a terrible roster, but their coaching staff is so good, they'll always get them around 500%, which means they won't be able to get high enough draft picks to retool that roster, and there'll be a, a permanent limbo of eggshell blandness until Belichick retires. Which, which I honestly don't know is going to be that far away for that reason. I think there becomes a point where it's not that fun for him anymore because you, he's not even getting the chance to rebuild. Because it's not like, I don't think the roster's terrible. They've got good pass rushers like Matthew Judon, like they've... Oh, yeah, got, their defense is really, really good, but just the yeah. offense, you just look at it and you just think, oh my goodness me, how are they ever going to score? Don't, I don't see Mac Jones being a, you know, a big factor as a quarterback in the NFL anytime soon. The receivers are okay. Um, uh, uh, they're like the, the receivers have all shown they're capable of being good receivers. They were just not like I said, the receivers are okay. Yeah, like they they're they're capable of being better than okay. But the thing is if there's someone can get more than okay out of them, you'd like to think that Belichick can do that. I'm not sure Mac Jones can. But, mm, so Belichick doesn't exactly have a great history with wide receivers, though, especially ones they've drafted. Like he's got the the outliers with like Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, but like them drafting Taekwondo. Was, was Wes Welker not a Dolphin first? You're right. Sorry, he was. Uh, and also, if you look at his current wide receiver core, he's not drafted any of them, so that works in their favor too because they've got Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then a bunch of they've got uh, Tyquan Thornton. Ty- Tyquan um, Thornton was a second round pick a year ago. Yeah, which he shouldn't have been a second round pick no. a year ago. Uh, and then Hunter Henry, Mike Gazicki, he likes a tight end. We know that oh, he's he's 
brilliant with tight ends. He chooses his tight ends are always model citizens, restrained, humble men. None of them turn into kind of megalomaniacs with one nickname or homicidal killers. <laughs> okay. uh, it's very it's very true. Uh I, the running back room is toilet. Ramondre Stevenson is capable beyond that. There's nothing. But again, it's the sort of thing like if they were to go out and pick up one of the top running backs that remains available, Oops. Kareem Hunt hasn't signed yet anywhere. Yeah, so hurts, if they go Kareem it Hunt. Back, it harks back to what Gordon was talking about last week. Um, and literally the, the only time the entire hour when I actually listened to anything Gordon said but he was quite right in saying that it's the offensive line that's the running game now and you can plug various bit part players in behind it and it's a good offensive line and they, they've got running backs that would fit in. They wouldn't, they're, they're not going to be winning um, offensive player of the year, but it'll be enough to keep churning that running game over. It's it's everything, they're, they're set up just to do enough to keep themselves about 500 or just over. It's going to be the same again this year. Yep. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Okay. So um, they are, they have the longest odds. Uh, we're looking at as long as nine to one in some places and then winning the division. Uh, are they finishing fourth here or do they finish higher than that? Probably fourth. Like, unless one of the other three teams, unless one of the other three gets a, a quarterback injury, it's, it's really tough to put the Patriots ahead of them. Um, oh, they might they might finish fourth and be nine and eight because yeah. that division's that good. So which should be quite frustrating because then a team will win their division at seven and nine or I can't do the maths anymore. That extra game's just throwing it all completely out the window. Uh seven and ten. Seven and ten. Seven and ten and making the playoffs. Ugh. Um fine. Okay. So obviously the other three of the Bills, the Jets, Dolphins. So I guess the question before we then get into who's going to win it, which of those three teams would be mostly negatively impacted by losing their quarterback? So if there is a team that's going to finish below the Patriots because they lose the quarterback, which would be the most likely to do that if they lost their quarterback in week one or two? The Jets. Because, because the Jets go to what the Jets were last year. And obviously the backup there. Oh, the is... J- Zach Wilson. Yeah, that's yes. where you go to. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you, you, can say, you can argue in terms of name clout, Zach Wilson has got more pizzazz than the backups of Kyle Allen or Mike White with the Bills and the Dolphins. Um, but there's better offenses around those other guys, though. Yeah, we don't. We we haven't even seen Aaron Rodgers play in New York yet. He might not even be somebody that's worth worrying about getting injured. He might not be the same Aaron Rodgers that you had in Green Bay. We don't know. We know what Josh Allen is. We know what Tua can be if his brains aren't scrambled. So, I mean, it's. The the Dolphins' backup quarterback is Mike White. Is that actually, like, is that any better than the Jets? Well, Mike White, Zach Wilson was so bad last year that the Jets fans were chanting for Mike White in the stands. (laughs) 
So I'm going to say yes based on that Fine. alone. Fine. And then the builds of Kyle Allen, which for me feels the best of the three backups. Not necessarily anything to jump up and down about, but still the best of the three backups. Out of all the quarterbacks that are playing with cumulative hits during the course of the season, you'd think Josh Allen is maybe the one that's stout enough and resolute enough to be able to play through injuries that could maybe hamper to or Rogers. So the question yeah. probably is going to be like, where is the most delicate quarterback the, well, in that division? The flip side of that, though, is that Allen definitely, I think, is the most durable, but he also plays with the most um, like risk because he takes a lot of hits. You know, he puts himself in harm's way the way he runs the ball. Big guy can afford to take a big hit, but some point that probably causes a missed game or two. Part of that is knowing that contact is going to occur, and if he thinks he can initiate it, it takes away some of the impact. But with Tua, it's more a surprise whenever he meets any form of impact, and that's where the the issues occur because he's he's not expecting it and he's not put his body in a position to defend it. So. Yeah. Yeah, an interesting one where does that collective hit an impact number that Alan goes through um, mean that he is just able to take them now way more? Or does that is that part of the reason why the Bills have never quite tipped it over the edge in the postseason? Is, is the fatigue that he's picking up during the season creating the issue that he's... He's just battered up to the point uh, that he can't no, I mean, tip over. I mean, because Mahomes was battered up, but it feels like Mahomes doesn't get battered up during the season. It was it was I a mean, couple of week, week, freak injuries to his ankle or whatever it was at the time yeah, when we thought based, he was going to be out. Quarterback, based on quarterback, though, he was pretty, he was pretty hurt throughout the season last year. The Josh Allen thing, though, like two years ago, they lost on a ridiculous Mahomes comeback, you know, the 13-second game, whatever it was. Uh, and this year, like, the DeMar Hamlin thing, I think, played a lot of mental fatigue for them in that game against the Bengals. So mm. I I, I think the, ben- the Bills are a little bit underrated in the NFL this season because Mahomes is Mahomes, so I get that the Chiefs are always going to be favourites. The Bengals are the kind of shiny new toy but Josh Allen is still a top three quarterback in the NFL. They've got Stephon Diggs. They've got good players on defense. Like Buffalo's a horrible place to try and win late in the season. But see, the the, the question then is, can Buffalo make themselves always the home team once they get into the playoffs? Do they have a weak enough division for them to build up that, that record that, to get that? that- that's, that's going to be that's going to be the tough thing this season. Like this division is probably going to like eat itself a little bit, especially with those three top teams. Um, that that's going to be an impact for them. But if the if the Bills if the Bills finish as a top two seed in the AFC, like on in a one off game, I think they can beat the Chiefs. I wouldn't I wouldn't make them favorites, but I think in a one off game they can beat them. Similarly against the Bengals, like I think, you know, I think those are the, I I would have the Chiefs and the Bills as the top two teams in the AFC heading into the season. So the Bills are, sorry. 
Oh, I was going to say it's going to be fascinating if they manage to keep Burrows and Mahomes and Allen all healthy going into the playoffs because it, you get free ultra elite quarterbacks and that that's just a fantastic soap opera at that point of yeah. those three powerhouses. The, the, a, the AFC in general, though, like, see if you sit and look I just down. Wait, wait, I need to interject. If I had said Burrows in a conversation, Gordon McGuinness, you would have been all over me like shit on a Workman shoe, right? So I don't even know what that saying is. I wouldn't want Why... that workman to come in my house. <laughs> Why are you letting Ian away with it? What's this double standards? Because I had a, a very important point that I was trying to make, which was more important. And also, <laughs> I like Ian more than I like you. <laughs> Fair. Right, make your point. Let's judge uh, it. The, is it important a- and good? The AFC, in general, is loaded like if you go through the teams in the AFC you cannot have a, a, a playoff field in the AFC that includes Kansas City the Chargers the Jets the Bills, the Dolphins the Bengals the Ravens and the Jaguars that's eight teams someone there misses out and if I had to guess I think it's probably the Dolphins. Mm, yeah. Um, it's a fair comment, and it is stacked again. This, and it, do you know what? It feels like it's going to be this way for a little while. Um, what then? The Bills are clearly the favourite to win their division. One of the favourites to make the Super Bowl. What is the weakness that will prevent Buffalo from winning this division, if there is one? Uh, is it the running back position? No. Because James Cook... The answer answer to that question is always no. The offensive line, I think, is okay. It's fine. I I do wonder how good their uh, other receivers are outside of Diggs. Gabe Davis is good for a few splash games here and there. He's not consistently good. Um... Dalton Kincaid, I think, is going to be interesting at tight end, but how much he gets used as a rookie, I think, is you know, not going to be a massive thing. So that's probably it. Looking at the players that have come in as well, Leonard Floyd, uh, Connor McGovern coming in from Dallas as the guard. Uh, the only real players, I mean, both of them an improvement, right? In defense, it's just keeping Von Miller healthy and keeping Von Miller away from double teams. That That's just everything they're going to do defense simple yeah. as that the i still worry about the running back position and i think where i worry about the running back position is in the cameron, winter cameron they've got a 280 pound quarterback that can run like a four i know four, but they don't they don't have to worry about the running backs <laughs> they just tell the running back not to get in josh allen's way also that... don't, don't stand in front of him They've got they've got James Cook, Damian Harris is perfectly fine. Latavius Murray's all right as your third running back. Like they're fine. They're, they're, I think this is it. They're fine, right? They are fine. Um, they obviously the one that I'm probably most excited about is Dalton Kincaid, and I want to see exactly what that's all about. Um, but that red zone threat D- and the lack. Kincaid. Yeah, Dalton. Yeah, Dalton Kincaid. What did I say? Dalton. Dalton. Yeah, let's yeah. come on. Can we pronounce names properly? Oh, it's off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I just think. That bit in the cold December, January in Buffalo, the position that you need to lean on 
at times is that you're running back. You don't want to have to lean on your quarterback to do all the running then. If if it's frosty and the wide receivers aren't catching balls, then you can stop Buffalo. You can stop Buffalo. And I think that the 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 thing that would take them to the next level is a top quality running back. Yeah, I think that's the, the one the thing they're missing. The problem is that their last game of the season is in Miami. So they don't that that is the one team that you think they would have the advantage of playing in this in the cold and the snow, and it's completely negated. They're, they're at the Chargers on uh, Christmas Eve again. That's another game where you'd think they would have the advantage. the The schedule doesn't stack up for them um, effectively this season. James Cook, by the way, in the regular season. Uh, running backs who had at least 80 carries in the NFL was second in yards per carry at 5.7. I I take the points, all of them, and we move on. Uh, same question. Uh, if the Jets are going to disappoint this year, what is the weakness that's going to prevent them from winning this division? It's the... The rest of the roster hasn't improved significantly outside of the Aaron Rodgers thing and they weren't good last year. You so don't like, think bringing in like Rodgers receivers so Cobb, Cobb I know it's ancient but and Lazard and Hardman's capable as a receiver right? Garrett Wilson was has shown that he's Gar- good. Garrett Wilson was already there though. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not... but he's shown he's good and therefore there's pieces yeah, around him. Yeah. There, there's good players but I just think like it, there's a all of this is on Rodgers to be good, and they're, they're basically the jet season hinges on Rodgers doing the Tom Brady when he arrived in Tampa thing, like not even necessarily going to the Super Bowl, but being good enough and putting up enough numbers that you can you can get to the playoffs. Like they've got talent around there, but. And the difference there is that Brady consistently did it when he was in New England and Rodgers did it once when he was in Green Bay. The, the only the only instruction you have to give to the New York Jets quarterback is just don't stuff it up. Just don't do what Zach Wilson did. Don't, don't mess it up. We just need 21 points a game. Our defence is that good. We're going to be in contention for near enough every single match that we're in. They've got a couple of players on that roster who may be elite, elite all pro and Quinnen Williams and Sauce Gardner. Um, it might be the best defense that uh, Rogers has ever had uh, to, to kind of compliment him. So it, it might just simply be a case of just don't try too hard. And the other thing with Rogers is how do his teammate, his teammates um, gel with him? Do they, see him as the quarterback, do they accept him fully or is he a divisive figure? Um, you won't know until the season progresses and they face adversity and how they rally round, but it should be a fairly simple instruction to, for him is just don't do too much. Yeah. The Dolphins then, what is it about the Dolphins that's going to prevent them tipping over? I, I skipped over the running back position at the Jets because I just you're just going to give me the same conversation, I'm sure. But I still feel like it's the area more than any other where there's no there's no talent there at all. There's well, nobody. Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Brees Hall's on Brees, Pop, though. Brees, he's, 
Brees Hall, by the way, was the only player who had a higher yards per carry average out of those players. Yeah, yeah, but he's coming. He's coming off a big old nasty injury, and therefore you don't know what player's coming back. Michael Carter showed us the square root of not very much at all. Um, so you know, like I get it. Brees Hall, if he comes back and he's banging from day one, talent. Sophomore season, is it not? That last year was his rookie season. Yeah. Um, I, um, if there's if there's a weakness for the Jets, I think it's potentially the offensive line. Okay, which they've added pieces to, right? They've mm-hmm. picked up Billy Turner, Tomlinson, McGovern. I like, um, I like Joe Tipman, the guy they got from Wisconsin in the second round. Yeah. But left tackle, Dwayne Brown's on the pup list. Billy Turner's not good. So like, if Billy Turner starts at left tackle... Okay, they're you're a little bit fucked. Aaron can deal with that. Aaron's had some questionable offensive lines in front of him before. He he's a wily old fox. He knows I mean, what he's doing. I think he's actually had Billy Turner as his left tackle as a backup in Green Bay. I'd need I'd need to check if he played left tackle in Green Bay. I'm sure he was in Green Bay for a while, but he had Bakhtiari as his primary left tackle for most of his career there. So or recently, he's your okay. favorite lineman, isn't he, Gordon? Yes. I mean, You've never had anything but a civil and friendly conversation with him. Civil. <laughs> everything has been civil in any discussion we've ever had. Maybe, maybe share that story with, uh, our, with our New England Patreons at some point. The um, Dolphins then. Let's two. complete the set. It's two, it's two of the weakness. Yeah, for two reasons. One... Because the injuries. Yeah. The concussions. And, and right. the, other, the other one is like at how much of his production last year was simply because he has possibly the two most dynamic speedy wide receivers in the NFL in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I, I don't know that he is good enough for them to win consistently. I'd also add like one bad hit and he's concussed out for weeks again. Like that's like not, not even a piss taken thing. Like, Genuinely, quite a scary future career, long term health thing. For yeah, him, I, 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 you're just like another concussion. You're just like, dude, just hang it up. Just yeah, don't risk yeah. it. Um, so which yeah, obviously would derail their season. We've talked about Mike White already. Skylar Thompson as well didn't really show anything to get excited about. Um, the he does sound like he does sound like a Star Wars character, though, doesn't he, Skylar Skylar Thompson? It is, it is one of the better names in the NFL when it comes to quarterbacks. He's um, one of the pilots in the Rebel Fleet. So does Xavier Howard for me also sounds like he would be something from a Star Wars character. Um, the, their uh, defense is very good. That's what I was going to say. And and it's not just the players. It's Vic Fangio being the coach. Yeah. That, like, and Mike I, McDaniels out of the, the tree, the Shanahan tree, is creative can get things going. If he can keep to a fit, there's enough pieces, I think, on their offense that they can get very creative. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the one area is their tight end. Obviously, they gave up Gasicki, who I think chipped in an awful lot of the time. He would come up with big games when they really needed him. There's not necessarily one in that position. But their defense, I think their defense has got the opportunity to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. Certainly one of the best defenses in the AFC. Um, I think there's a the, the other contenders for that are predominantly coming out of the north. The it's a, it's a really really strong 
uh, the, group. J- the Jalen Ramsey injury might hurt them a little bit at the start of the year. Because mm. um, he's going to miss, well, like six, seven weeks, I think they were looking at. But I, I think Jalen Phillips is someone that by the end of this season, people are going to be talking about as potentially like in that conversation among the best edge defenders in the NFL. How, what week of the season do we think it will be where Eli Apple and Tyreek Hill have had a punch up at training? Preseason week two. It'll be the week they're facing the Jets, surely. They're not doing anything with the Jets. They won't be in preseason. I'm trying to think. For hard knocks, I'm just thinking about the content. I'm sure the hard knocks cameras would be all over it, uh, stirring up shit left, right, and center. That would be great, actually. If only we'd known he was going to end up in Miami. That's exactly where the cameras should have gone. But they wouldn't have gone there because of Tua, because that's a can of worms that the NFL would rather stay closed, I would imagine. Um, Fine. Okay. So we've kind of done our misery view of all three teams, or four teams, uh, found our flaws and our reasons to be wary. What do you see panning out here? How do you think this one's going? Um... Who is, what's your one through four for the AFC North? Um, and we're going to start with Gordon. Uh, AFC North, despite the fact Sorry, AFC East. Fuck, fuck. Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, off. Cleveland Piss. Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it's Bill, been a long week. I'm tired. Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots. Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots. Do you disagree with any of those, Ian? Yeah, I would go Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. Oh, I, I like that. I I do love the idea of it being an absolute train wreck for the Jets this season. I think that would be <laughs> tremendous, tremendous content. Like it'll also be fun if they are good and they go far into the season, but just miss out again. Just no, miss even, out on even the going in, even going in the playoffs, it'll be it'll be good and interesting. But I, there's no way three teams out of this division are going to the playoffs, surely. And I know we talked about it before that the Patriots could in theory end up being nine and eight or whatever. The, the, but I seven, just... the seven seven seed now, though, like yeah. three probably are going from a division somewhere, and it's probably this or the North yeah, uh, or the West. West well, West yeah. maybe. I I feel like there's three contenders in the West. There's three contenders in nah. Two and a half contenders in the north, one contender in the south. Uh, and there, I suppose, all right, fine. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. There's three contenders in the north. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get Yeah, there. we will. We will. Fine. I'm going to slightly disagree as well. I'm going to say it's Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots. I think that the Jets just sneak in front of the Patriots. Uh, I think the Bills end up top two seeds out of the AFC. And I think the Dolphins will have a very good season with two. I think they'll keep them healthy and, and they'll do well. Okay. Um, right. Well, we're halfway there for this episode. We've talked a lot of shite so far, so let's continue, right? Uh, and we'll move to the NFC East. This should be quick when it comes to picking who's going to win it. But what about the rest? So uh, we look at the odds there. The, uh, the outliers here with even longer odds than the Patriots do. The Washington Commanders. Um Anyone think anyone other than the Commanders is finishing last in this group? Ooh. Well, it's between them and the Giants. Like, I, I really like Brian Dable as a head coach. I really like how he built the offense around 
Daniel Jones' ability as a runner last year. I just really don't like Daniel Jones as a, as a quarterback. He's not he's not a particularly consistent passer. So I What do we think Sam Howell's gonna be? I I think other than right. starting quarterback. <laughs> well well, but so even if it's not him, Jacoby Brissett can get them nine wins, I think. And Terry McLaurin's good. I think Jahan Dotson's prime for a breakout. Curtis Samuel's a good number three receiver. Um, their defensive line's really good. I like the cornerback they took, Emmanuel Forbes. Like, There's a lot of things about the commanders that I think could be a little bit better than expected. And I kind of think the Giants might not be as good as they were last year. Yeah. And is that because Daniel Jones isn't in our contract year now? So even with that, though, like you saw their limitation um, in the divisional round of the playoffs. Like they're not... They're, in the NFC, if the NFC was as talented as the AFC, I don't think anyone would pick the Giants to make the playoffs. So I just, I think they're like a fringe. So I, I kind of think outside of about three teams in the N, in the NFC, you're either the top two or three contenders or you're a fringe playoff team. The, the NFC is like a conference filled with fringe playoff teams that you look at and you go, ah, oh, you could be the seven seed, maybe the six. I think Giants and Commanders fit that. Okay. Um. Are the commanders a roster with the odd 24-carat nugget, but with a roster full of fool's gold? I, I, like, I, I feel looking at the roster, the reason I ask that is there's like four or five names in there that you think that's a real talent, like a real special player, and then everything else just feels way off. Just nothing. <laughs> like, and that, maybe I'm being unfair. I feel like well, in terms of draft capital, is heavily invested in that defensive line. Like all four players are first round picks, I think. But they're they're not going to be able to afford to keep all four of those players once contracts start coming up. But then you look at the rest of the the defense, and it does start to tail off slightly. Um. So, I don't know if the the commanders are going to be another team a bit like the, the Patriots where they just keep themselves always average yeah. because of how good that defensive line is and there, just... there was Chase Young there was like trade talks um, around time and it wouldn't it wouldn't entirely shock me if that if their season doesn't start off that well if he gets traded at the trade deadline because to your point they're probably not re-signing him they've re-signed Allen they've re-signed Payne which would be a shock considering how highly regarded he was when he came out. It wasn't like Trayvon Walker, which was a, a shock when he went so high at defensive end. Chase Young was somebody viewed as like the next Miles Garrett. Yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to be really special. And it, to be fair to him, I think the injuries have impacted him. Like there has been some pretty high level play in stretches from him. So... Like if I was a team, I'd love to be trading for him in the off in the 
like mid-season point. Do you think they try and offload them early? Uh, no. So I think the time to trade them was probably in the heart of the off-season or it'll be at the trade deadline if things have kind of gone south. When there's a contender needs a piece. And yeah. it's the, yeah, fine. Unless it was a new owner that's, that's came in, he wants to put his stamp on things, he might be very happy if things go south because he doesn't have his guy at quarterback. This, there's no franchise. But that's what they all want. They want that face that they can stick up in massive posters on the side of the stadium. and They don't have that in Washington. And to get that, they need to seriously seriously tank mm. um, speaking of tank and commanders do we think they're going to end up changing their name again this year or is that just bluster and noise about legalities mm, I think it's bluster there was an interview with the um, president I, I don't know the guy's I can't remember the guy's name Um and he basically said, like, it's not on the table just now. So maybe it will be, but I, I don't think there'll be anything this season. On to the Giants then. So we've talked about Daniel Jones. Other weaknesses in this Giants team? Go on, Cameron. Tell us that it's because the, the sack one situation. Um, Saquon Barkley is um, in a situation. And I think that that's another one. It's going to be another distraction this year because he's playing, well, I mean, he's trying to prove himself, right? He's going to try and prove his worth. He he can't exactly mouth off about the money he's not getting and then have a down year. That doesn't work in your favour, does it? If you're going to come to, up to bat and say, I deserve this amount of money, you better well back it up. They obviously have picked up Darren Waller. If he can stay fit, he's going to be a big contributor uh, and, a, and a target for... Um, Daniel Jones, but I still feel like there's just not a lot of you wide know, receiver one, core, right? One question I ask, and it's not been properly answered: Why has Paris Campbell managed to misspell his first name? I mean, Paris is fairly well known as capital city of France. It's I, quite easy; you can look it up quite easily, and he's managed to misspell his first name. I assume he didn't. Spell his own first name. He was given it by somebody else. Well, you conventionally you would hope so, but <laughs> he's got Campbell spelled correctly. I mean, Campbell's harder to spell than Paris. Evidently yes. not. I, I do. I agree. I think it's the wide receivers are the kind of biggest concern. What wide receiver and probably like the back seven on that defense. Don't I don't like their linebacker. I, I like um Okereke. I don't like Do you like Beavers? God I, <laughs> I am not a fan of Darian Beavers. Uh <laughs> and also right now they're slated to start a sixth round rookie outside cornerback um in Trey Hawkins, I think, if I'm looking at the depth chart correctly. So they could have two starting outside cornerbacks who are rookies. Um which you know, there's a bit of bit of concern and experience there. So, just having a look here, according to Twitter, and I don't know if this is. I need to check this now. I'm worried about dodgy questions. Apparently, uh, Paris Campbell has two younger sisters, Kennedy and London. Uh, how do you think London's spelled? Two ends. With, with Please be two ends. Please be two ends. 
<laughs> no, it, it is with a U and with a Y. <laughs> L-U-N-D-Y-N, London. So London, Paris, and Kennedy. Named after the Space Centre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. It just came up on a Google search. Good times. Um, Paris is a surname, but it's spelled with two R's. Uh, Nikita Paris played for England's women's team. Did she not? Yes. Yeah. I don't think we can really kind of go with somebody English as being an authority and respect for France. <laughs> so, yeah, wide receivers an issue. What about the defence? Is the defence actually good or not? I felt like... I feel like the defence talks a lot and fix things up and... Dex- and all Dex- that. And- Dexter Lawrence is an absolute unit. And you saw in the one of the kind of mic'd up segments, Brandon Graham was mic'd up against the Giants and he was talking trash at the the coin toss. And uh, after the game, Jason Kelsey just walks up to the Lawrence and just says, nothing but respect, big man. Nothing but respect. <laughs> walks on. I, uh... just, you could see his face when Graham was just talking all the smack. Just like, don't, don't annoy the guy I have to play against. <laughs> this, um, this division is like, uh, big ugly division in the defensive line. Like the commander's defensive line is really good. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. I think the expectations are going to be on a nice big step forward for Kayvon Thibodeau. But, you know, Cameron, you obviously weren't listening, seeing as you've just pretended that there's been no discussion about their defense. Oh, no, I wanted to revisit it. There was discussion, but it, it's uh, it's the back seven that I worry about. Yeah. Front, front four, I think they'll be fine. Front four, front five, backs. Is it the whole back seven, or do you think there are pieces in there that can contribute? I like Okereke. Uh, I thought McKinney has shown bits and flashes, and great or utterly ineffective. Like I feel like I feel like this is the Giants' defense across the board, though. I even feel like Dexter Lawrence. There'll be games where he's a monster, and then there'll be other games where he's totally anonymous. Like, it's just a Jekyll and Hyde team, but it seems to Jekyll and Hyde as a unit rather than as individuals. Jamie Borthwick is going to batter you for that statement. Yeah, that's fine. I don't don't think Dexter Lawrence is... I saw him play twice last year, and one of the games he was a monster, and the other game he just wasn't doing anything. What, uh, what, game, what game? What game? I'm going to fact check you now. What, what Dallas. Game do nothing. On Monday one? Night Football, Dallas. And then um, when they played the Commanders in the tie game. So while you're fact checking that, I didn't say he, he wasn't. He did nothing. He just wasn't as disruptive. So as... in in each of the game against the Commanders, he had five total pressures from nose from his nose tackle position. Fine. Uh, one of the Dallas games. So it was the, both of them were the ones that met life. So it was the Monday night game that Dallas won. Uh yeah, he was more effective against the run. That was one of his worst games as a pass rusher. But the commander's games, uh, he had five pressures in each. So, so what you're saying is, I was right with my assessment, with from my own eyes. Because one, one, one of two, and <laughs> I and, said Declan Heights is either brilliant or just not very uh, kind of anonymous. He was kind of anonymous. Like there was so much hype on the night. Because it felt like there was a real positivity uh, in MetLife that night. And I remember thinking, I'm actually really excited to see uh, Dexter Lawrence play. Um, Him and Thibodeau, because that was at the point where he was 
Sorry, think, sorry, him and who? Thibodeau. <laughs> this how, is like something how, that Happy Gilmore this, says. How is Thibodeau. this not a bet? How is this not a, like a deliberate bet? Thibodeau. Um, it would be hilarious if you ever had any kind of jobs, for example, where you have to read out people's names in a sporting context. Is that is that you in any any part of your life, Cameron? <laughs> no, not really. I only did the Tarot of Spartans for a long time. Including oh, you're, you're doing commentary in the stream. I am. It's fine. We put up a fancy graphic. I don't have to say anything out loud. I can just say pass in the middle, pass to the wing, out for a throw in. I once had to do a Scotland uh, under nineteen women's versus Norway under-19 women's, and I had to read out the Norwegian team on the Tannoy, and there was nobody there to give me any support with pronunciations. And it's not like, at that point, this was a long time ago, you couldn't really Google it and find out online either. So it was it, it was butchered, let's be honest. And that's just the Scotland team I'm talking about. Fine, we'll move on from the Giants. Uh, we'll go to the Cowboys. What are the biggest problems that the Cowboys are facing this year? What are the reasons that they're not going to be able to knock the Eagles off number one spot? Other than the fact they're inherently evil? <laughs> Other than that. Uh... Listen, they, they actually match up really well, near enough, person for person, but the, the Eagles have got a pretty deep roster. They've got a competent mobile quarterback talented wide receivers, very solid defensive line, an absolute demon pass rusher on a reasonable defence. Hey, Colin? Maybe. Maybe, it is, maybe it's, it's the expectation from ownership. They always find a way of stuffing it. Um, but you look at them and you think it's hard-pressed to look outside of Dallas or Philadelphia for who's going to be going to the the suitable. One of my favourite Cowboys storylines, just to get ahead of it, because we know Cameron's going to bring it up, is probably their biggest concern, is um, outside of Tony Pollard at running back, it looks like Deuce Vaughn's going to have the opportunity to be the, the backup there. Guy they took in the sixth round out of Kansas State. There is not a single picture that has come out from training camp or a single video that has come out from training camp where it doesn't look like they've allowed uh, a, a, a child to come along and play for the day. Because uh, he's, he's, fi- he's five foot five. So like and normally out in the world, he would be like a little bit short. You know, he's not, that's not much shorter than I am. But in a world whereby players are easily six four, six five, six six, it just looks, it, it genuinely looks like a, a peewee football clip at points. Just based on the, the, um, discrepancy between the other players but really good player like really difficult to tackle a little bit like Darren Sproles was when he first came into the NFL and I'm pretty sure he was also a Kansas State guy yeah um, funnily enough the name that immediately popped into my head when you were talking about height because he was five foot six low and just of gravity yeah like, yeah if, if you've got if you're a, a short running back and you've got a low center of gravity Ray Rice was like this for the Ravens when he was a player before the you know um domestic violence issue um like really good low center of gravity and if you're a short guy who can get down low 
it's quite difficult for people to tackle you because they're six four, six five, trying to trying to reach over. So, I the Cowboys have got a really good roster. I think they've definitely underperformed in recent years. Um, I just I don't love going from Kellen Moore to Brian Schottenheimer as offensive coordinator. So you think it's going to be more as it's drawn up that's going to hold them back rather than the I think players so. like, in the pieces. I I think they are going to be too conservative to win a division against the Eagles over a 17-game season because the Eagles are going to find different edges throughout the year. They've got the tush-push. They've got you know being more aggressive on fourth down. They've got the gambles they've taken at wide receiver like the Eagles just find loads of different edges throughout games and the Cowboys are going to play more within their shell and I think that's probably going to be the difference What's your biggest fear out of Dallas, Ian? Um, well, I think it's always going to be um, Mika Parsons um, he's going to be the guy that yells have to scheme against and the, the problem for a, an offense is you get so focused on him that you forget about the other players that are playing as well. Um I think for, for Dallas their biggest concern is just depth. Because I think once you start getting further down the depth chart it's maybe not got the same level of talent as other teams in the, the NFL. Um but you you feel the kind of clock is ticking more and more and Dak Prescott's time in Dallas, just like Tony Romo's, it always looked like he was going to be the guy that brings them success and then Father Time just slowly creeps up on you without you, without you noticing. Is Dak Prescott the guy? Is he good enough to get to a Super Bowl? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I suppose because the NFC is perhaps on the weaker side at the moment. It doesn't actually necessarily need to be that good to get to a Super Bowl. No, I mean, if like we live in a world where Jimmy Garoppolo has been to a Super Bowl recently, like Dak Prescott's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Don't disagree. Fine. Okay. Uh Eagles. Ian, if the Eagles don't win the division, why will it be? Injury, I think. I think that's the the only kind of real reason. And even then, maybe outside a quarterback, I'm not sure injury would derail them too much down the line. They've even, this week, they've brought in Dennis Kelly back up. He can play both swing tackles, an NFL veteran. They've brought in um, Zach Cunningham and Miles Jackett running back, even though they were very happy with Morrow, Dean, Christian Ellis linebacker, they're just constantly adding to the roster. It seems like they've went into the settings in Madden and turned off kind of like salary cap and <laughs> made all trades easy or whatever. You kind of look at the, the kind of business that you've done and you you feel slightly unfair and some of the other teams in the NFL that, that have maybe got one reasonably good player in their squad and you could go through the Eagles, you can list guys who are potentially going to be Hall of Fame players or that good. It, the, prob- it, the, the, the big difference for the Eagle is they've they've lost both offensive and defensive coordinators. Offense is maybe a an impact. I think um, Shane Steichen did a really good job, and it's whether Brian Johnson can step up from quarterbacks coach. But apparently, he had a lot of input last season. And defense losing Gannon, 
but majority of people will tell you they're they're happy with losing Gannon, and they'll say it was Gannon that lost the Eagles the Super Bowl because he couldn't flex his zone scheme. So the Eagles are going to shift what they're doing in defense. I think this year. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if they can quickly get on terms of what their coordinators want in the first couple of weeks because that's when you see the sloppiest football. So, um, talking about obviously Mile Jack, Zach Cunningham coming in, are the Eagles to a free agent the most attractive location to land in in the whole of the NFL right now? Outside of Miami or anyone in Florida for the tax breaks, probably. So take the money out of it. But if you're wanting to, if your goal is to play in a Super Bowl, is there a more attractive place to go in the NFL right now than Philadelphia? Kansas City, but probably, probably not by much. And is is that just because of Mahomes? Like I, I oh, feel yeah. like because I still feel like in the AFC there's so many other teams there. Like the the friction that the Eagles are going to face getting to the conference game is so much lower than the Chiefs are going to have to go through. Yeah. There's there's some big old defences and stuff like that, fine. It's, but they are uh, the def- for me, the defence, the challenge will be that the defence doesn't really get tested a lot. And maybe you, they end up coming against a really good team late in the season and go, oh, Jesus Christ, we just weren't ready for it because we've actually had a fairly not-too-rough season on the back of this. So if you were signing a three-year contract in the NFL anywhere... And your goal was veteran minimum contract. So your you know, money isn't really coming into it. Your goal is just I want to win a Super Bowl. You're picking Kansas City. Like a three year window, you're probably winning a Super Bowl in Kansas City. Like I, I get I get your point. I think Philadelphia would probably be second to me this year. Well, what if the question is I want to play and also win a Super Bowl? You've probably got a better chance of being able to play in Kansas City with their roster than you do with the Eagles. Especially on a defensive point of view, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fair. I think the one thing, I suppose, if you look at the Eagles, the the schedule is obviously that little bit tougher. Like, they're at the Ravens. Um, they are at Kansas City, a home to the Bills, and I'll put the Niners in that conversation as well. But beat the Giants home and away, the Cardinals. Um, they get the Cardinals at home, get Buffalo at home. Get the Niners at home again. The Dolphins, obviously, at home. It feels like, you know, the tough road games really are the Ravens and the Chiefs and maybe Dallas. But there's no other really tough road game that really stands out. The Jets, if Aaron Rodgers has turned them into something phenomenal. But you're looking at that, and I mean, you're looking at at the Colts, at the Patriots, at the Rams... It just is not particularly challenging at Seattle. I suppose Seattle might give them a little bit of a battle, but you're always going to you're always going to come up against good teams, and you're always going to struggle to win every single game. And the the test for you as a team is: does the opposition beat you because they're so good, or do you beat yourself because you're so badly coached? And some teams just beat themselves because they're so badly coached. And if you can become a team that is efficient in what you do, but you still play against good teams, you're maybe losing three or four games in a season. That's acceptable. So it's just the mathematics and whether a team goes on one of those crazy runs that nobody expects and gets the first seed 
out of completely nowhere, which is difficult to foresee in the, the NFC. Also, the, the Eagles game against the Ravens is Friday night. So I don't think that's going to have much impact in the Super Bowl. Oh, Jesus Christ, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're actually going to lose that because the Ravens are undefeatable. So no, they're going to that, start on a loss. My, my hot take is that the, this is the year the Ravens lose a, lose a, uh, a preseason game. I think the Ooh, the which one? Probably this one. I the think Eagles. I don't know. Eagles in preseason have always been pretty poor. We can can but hope so if there's one if there's one concern I have with the Eagles it's the middle of the defence so Fletcher Cox is getting on a bit hasn't been as good as he always has been Jordan Davis I think was good in flashes last season but you need to see him be more of a full-time player before you I think he's lost about 40, 40 pounds that's good. That should help with that. Jalen Carter, I think, obviously, like you expect things, but he's a rookie, so okay, not too sure. Like I like the depth they've got in the middle of that defensive line. I just think there's at least like one or two question marks there. And then linebacker, like I know I take your point, but they're obviously as much as they're saying they're happy with um Morrow and Dean to bring in two linebackers and guys with the experience of Cunningham and Miles Jack. Does suggest a little bit like you're you're not entirely confident that things are going to go well there, and then like the weakness in their at, at cornerback they look really strong, their depth at cornerback looks really good, but um, starting safety is like I don't love Terrell Edmonds. I don't think I, I'm not quite sure Terrell's going to start. Sydney Brown's been doing quite well in preseason. Kevon Wallace has been taking a lot of snaps. It's interesting that Reed Blankenship, though, seems to be kind of shoehorn definite as starting at safety. And out of like, all the players the Eagles have picked up over the past two or three years, he's maybe the player with the least amount of fanfare possible. I think everybody thought he was just a camp body and he's he's played his way in. So fair play to him. Also, I'd just like to point out, Gordon, if you're going to correct me on something, at least get your facts right. Uh, the Ravens Eagles game is on Saturday, not Friday night. But I just want to point that out to you. Have you looked at it and it said it's Saturday in the UK, but it's Friday night in the US? It's uh, Sunday in the it's, UK. It's Sunday, yes, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you saw Sunday and went Friday night? No, no. I said now I see it's Sunday. I didn't even say now I see. I was like, oh, it's Sunday because yeah. I've just yeah. seen Sunday. Fine. That's so. Just so, so actually, technically, you're wrong because it's actually be, Sunday see, for us. See, be, see, to be fair, usually what happens is on a Friday night, Gordon pops a couple of eckies and before he knows it, it is Sunday. So that's how it usually happens for him. Also, Sunday night football is Sunday night football just because it happens on Monday in the UK. Doesn't make it Monday morning football. It's Sunday night football. So no, I'm not having that. That's a load of shite. So when... When does Sunday Night Football... Sunday Night Football is a, the name of a TV show. Correct. What, what time does the Sunday Night Football game kick off in the UK? What day does it kick off in the UK? It kicks off on Monday morning. Okay. Yeah. It's still Sunday Night Football. It's not... Re- the world does not work on GMT. It works on no, but this whatever is a- the time is. In the local- <laughs> oh, well, I, I'm looking forward to... Getting ready for my NFL Sundays at one PM. 
this is it's, it's, it's like it is what it is. I'm taking my shot because I don't get many. It's usually me that's a fucking moron. So um, yeah, right. Uh, we need to pick our order then. This one feels to me a little bit more obvious to call, but let's see where we get to. Ian, you can start with this one. Uh, Commanders, Giants, Cowboys, Eagles. I'm hoping that's in reverse order. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you like to disagree with anything, Gordon? Uh, I think just three and four. Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, Giants. Ooh. Four. Well, I'll tell you what, Jamie Bothwick might have come at me for my question marks about his defence, but I've got his team doing better. I've got them in third as well, so I'm with Ian. Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Commanders. Giants with an outside chance of making the postseason. Commanders with no chance. That's how I see it. Fine. Okay, there you go. That's our waffly preview. Miser, miserly. We've picked holes. We've pointed fingers. We've mispronounced surnames. Um, we've blocked spellings. This is what this podcast is built upon. These are the foundation, the pillars, if you will, <laughs> of what our strategy is. But there you go. Right. Um, just time for us to plug our Patreon, Patreon, our patriotic Patreons. Um, if you haven't already joined it, please, if you can, do come and join it. Uh, all the funds, it's £3 a month, basically the way that it works. For that, you get a little bit of behind-the-scenes content, opportunity to actually decide. We we picked the East Divisions because our Patreons got to choose that. Uh, we've shared some information about what we're thinking about for our Edinburgh event this year. Uh, so that will also be um, something that you get to influence. We also have an exclusive raffle that we're going to be doing that everyone that bought tickets for our Glasgow event and our Patreons, even if they didn't buy a ticket, will also get access to where we're going to be giving away two tickets for the London game of their choice. A fantastic prize. We're very excited to have. So check out our Twitter at Scotland NFL. It's in our pinned comment, I think. Or go to Patreon and search for Stramash exclamation mark and you'll you're, find us. You're not even join us. You're not even selling the primary advantage of joining. Oh, that you get to join the WhatsApp group and laugh at me. The WhatsApp group, which is just everyone roasting Cameron. Once <laughs> once a day, someone has a wee a wee dig. Cheap shot. People, people are paying three pounds a month just for the privilege of calling you a prick. <laughs> it's money well spent. It's money well spent. Do come and join us. This is all about building an NFL community. That's exactly what we're looking to do. Uh, and again, the people that are a part of that, helping us grow, helping us do more, helping us put on events like we're doing at uh, Top Golf in Glasgow, really excited about that. And more to come. More the to people, come. Help. The people at Patreon got to find out about who this special guest is first, Cameron. I don't think you've announced them yet. No. So the, the normal subscribers to our podcast still don't know who the special guest is. Have you got plans to announce who they are? I do. I do. Um, I think it's one that we will do in a couple of weeks' time as we get a little bit closer. Got to start building the hype. Um, excited to have the person along. Good conversation. Great insight. Very knowledgeable. Has played an NFL game. So, you know, you might be able to figure it out from the clues, but you might not. We'll tell you very, very soon who it is that will be joining us. So, yeah, right. Anything else that we want to add before we wrap this one up? The untold story with Jory Manziel mm. on Netflix. 
I think the only thing that we have to discuss from him is the fact he's the biggest tadger that's ever played quarterback in the NFL. I haven't watched it yet. Some of the clips are tremendous. I've not watched it yet either, but like clips about how uh, he was having the fourth string quarterback at Texas A&M pee in a cup for him for his drug tests. Um, Yeah, like that, the the story of how he wasn't going to pass a drug test at the Combine, so they were going to have his dad fake a heart attack so that he could show up in Indianapolis for the combine, be there for 12 hours, and then be like, oh, I need to go because my dad's in the hospital. That His agent explains all this stuff. And then uh, talking about like watching film, and there's something came up whereby, yeah, no, he's not watched film. His agent's like, I mean, he can't have not watched any film, and his iPad watch hours were at 0.0. And watched a second of tape. So it's really, really hard to believe that he didn't work out as a as an NFL quarterback. I hope the only thing with this, this whole thing, and the fact that he's even having a documentary made about him, which I hope has been done more like the Tiger King than it is about quarterback. I just hope this is the last we have to talk about him because he's nothing. Well, he's just nothing. There's another clip which Uh-oh. now is going to make you seem like an absolute prick. Um, I, like I, I think there were some pretty serious mental health issues throughout his time as well, and dealt with addiction and stuff like that as well, from what I understand. So, I, I think it's probably a case of, you know, he shouldn't have been a first round pick because there were a lot of issues going on in his life that were impacting his ability to function as an adult and and be in those situations. Um. But circumstances with his athletic profile led to that, and yeah, I think I think I would jump in and say that the two issues aren't mutually exclusive, and that he may have had issues, but he was just a complete and utter bellend, no matter what <laughs> he was going through in his his life, and there's nothing that could be done about that. He was maybe the biggest biggest potential for talent to come into the NFL with the least desire to be a NFL what? professional player maybe. Was he really though? Like that's well so in terms in terms of kind of in terms of how good he was at the college level, I mean he destroyed Alabama playing quarterback. He he was going for back to back Heisman's there's, you, you're yeah, probably you're probably going back to like Joe Namath for like the level of hoopla around a, a college quarterback about to enter the NFL. I I kind of don't know that it's that it's like obviously personalities are very different, but skill level wise, I don't know how much how much more different he is than Tim Tebow. In the sense that like good college quarterback, really good athlete, but. I think you could see. I think you could see him projecting a bit more into the NFL than that. TV, that but that the, Texas A&M roster was loaded as well. Like he yeah, just passes yeah, was, to Mike, yeah, Ev- Mike yeah. Evans. Uh, there was like five first round picks in that offense. But just in terms of just, I mean, at least Vic had the Vic. Vic kind of recanted, and he, he in the when he went to the Eagles, he. he 
he kind of learned how to become a professional. He had that redeeming part of the arc of his storyline. Manziel was just a complete and utter twat. S- sits down, and the first thing he says to Cameron in the documentary, he's a complete and utter twat. And that's it. There's nothing else. It's just an expose about how much of a twat he is. <laughs> it's because like, America's always that feel good kind of like, no, they're kind of a football life, and it's always kind of dramatic and sad and heartwarming. They just sit them down, and it's like watching an episode of Love Island or Big Brother. You used to look at him and go, Guy's a twat. Just a, I might have to watch again just to see if he's going to be a twat even more next time around. <laughs> there you go. Another review of another NFL exclusive bit of content. So, brilliant. Okay, that's the full-time whistle for this episode of Stramash. Thank you for taking the time to listen. As we've got the ball rolling in our pre-season build-up, uh, we'll be turning our attention as we will start to now work around the clock. We'll move to the south next We'll be talking about those divisions next time. We'll be back with as many of the teams as we can muster. But until then, thanks for listening and bye for now.